episode number 20. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with the Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to have a powerful parable about the delicate princess. The Torah portion of the week is Pinchas, How to Find Love in Your Misfortunes, a great story about Rav and consulting your pen, and peace in your home, encourage each other. We're going to start out with the parable. It goes like this. A king's daughter was taken captive and forced to marry a very low man, a peasant. So in the beginning, just the very presence of her husband used to make her suffer. She was used to all kinds of delicacies and refinement. She lived in a lap of luxury. She had the softest clothing and the food she ate was very fine. She just couldn't get used to all the dirty, dilapidated hut. She lived like in a barn. And the clothes that she had to wear was very coarse, rough clothing. And the bread she ate was black bread, very hard to eat. She used to cry all day and say it was better to be dead. However, little by little, she started to get used to it. The hut no longer seemed so dreadfully small. The food didn't seem so coarse anymore. And the clothing she started to get used to wearing such rough clothing. It was as if she herself was bred among the peasants. So that was the mashal. What's the nimshal? The Chavetz Chaim is telling us not to mix and mingle with unprincipled people who commits sins without a second thought. Because what will happen? Slowly, slowly, he'll get used to sinning himself. Even though at the beginning, he can't really believe it. Because really, a man's soul comes from above. It's like a princess, very refined. And it comes down into this coarse world. And if we mix with the wrong people, we'll become like them. This is when a person first sins, they start to feel some kind of torment that something's not right. But little by little, he sins without thinking about it. He's not even disturbed by the sins that other people do. It doesn't even bother him. That's because, in fact, he's become one of them. So we have to be very careful not to mix with the wrong people or we'll become low lives ourselves. This week's Torah portion is Pinchas want to give a little bit of background information. So what happened was, the Jewish people started to stray after the woman of Moab and their idolatry. And it got so bad that Zimri actually grabbed the princess from Midian, Cosby, and took her into the tent with her in front of everybody. So the law is that when a Jewish man sees another man do such a thing in front of 10 people, he's actually allowed to kill that person. The Gemara in Sanhedrin explains he has a din of a kanoi, a zealot, because he himself can hold up the honor of God. So Chazal tells us that Moshe himself forgot that halacha, but Pinchas remembered it. He ran to Moshe and he asked for permission to act. So Moshe said the one who remembered it, he's the one who should carry it out. He took out his sword, he sneaked into the tent, and he pierced both of them together, and he had super strength and held them up in front of the people. And this act ended the plague, which was killed thousands of Jews, because the plague started at that point. When the Jews started to go off the way, a plague came and started to kill them. This act stopped the plague. And Rashi explains there that he avenged Hashem. In other words, he expressed the rage that Hashem should have had. And this stopped the plague. 
And we know that Pinchas received the covenant. He, at that point, he became a Kohen. Before that, he wasn't a Kohen. And he received the covenant of peace. Shalom. Now, the rabbis tell us that the Pasuk says, Pinchas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, a Kohen, turned away my wrath from the children of Israel. So Chazal tells us why Dafka, why specifically did it hook up Pinchas with being the son of Aaron? Because we know that Aaron, Ohev Shalom, he loved peace, which means he was extremely kind, always spoke softly, always tried to make peace, which appears to be the exact opposite of the act of Pinchas, where he actually came and killed somebody. So the Rosh Hashiva of Henech Leibowitz wants to explain that a true Kanoi, a true zealot, it's not just someone who has a relationship between Adam Lamakom, which means between man and God, but he also has the relationship between Adam Adam, between man and man. A lot of people are very religious in the sense that they keep the mitzvahs between man and God. But when it comes to between man and man, they're lacking. That was not true by Pinchas. And the other thing we learned, he wants to learn from here, is we don't just act on emotions. First, you see that Pinchas went to Moshe to clarify what the halacha was, to clarify what the law was. So it wasn't just an emotional act. So Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitch wants to explain that this is an unbelievable contradiction. On one side, we see that Pinchas came and he killed Zimri, a very harsh and brazen act. On the other side, we see that Pinchas was Oyev Shalom, he was the son of Aaron. He had tremendous love. So how do we put these two things together? And he brings a proof from Avram Avinu when it came to his son Yishmael. So on one side, when he had to kick Yishmael out of his house, he gave him nothing but a loaf of bread and a jug of water, even though he was dangerously ill. And Rashi explained there he didn't give him gold and silver because he hated him for being a sinner. On the other hand, we know in Bereshis, when God told Avram, take your son for a sacrifice. And he said, which one? He said, the one who you love. So Avram didn't know which son. Was it Yishmael or was it Yitzchak? You see that he had total love for both of his sons. So how can he have these contradiction in feelings? The answer is that a person who is pure, there's no contradiction. A father can love his son totally and still hate him for his sins. Pinchas can dish out the din, the law. At the same time, he has tremendous love for every Jew. And not only that, it's just the opposite. Rav Chaim Shmuel Levitch explains that in order to give judgment, in order to dish out punishment, you have to be in a state of total love. This is unbelievable. Now we're coming up to the time of Tishbav and the destruction of the temple. He brings a proof from Yoma on 54b that said that when the Gentiles entered into the temple, they saw the Cheruvim, the two babies, there's images on top of the Aaron, of two children like angels, and they were embracing each other. This was at the destruction of the temple. What's so strange about that? So the Gemara Babasra explains, when God was close to the Jewish people, so the Cheruvim used to embrace each other. And when God was mad at the Jewish people, the Cheruvim would look away from each other. Here it is at the destruction of the temple itself, and the Cheruvim are hugging each other. How could that be? The answer is, at the time of judgment, at the time of punishment, God is very, very close. It's this closeness that allows God to give the punishment, to make the punishment correct. And he brings a second proof. We know that when God destroyed Saddam, so Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. 
So the Ramban brings the Midrash that explains what happened there. He says like this, The divine presence descended on Sodom and Amorah, raining fire and brimstone. The wife of Lot looked behind became pillar saw. Why? Because she perceived the divine presence. And we know there's a Pasuk in Shmos that says, No man may see me and remain alive. In other words, it was God that was there. God was there, close to the people of Sodom. Why is destroying them? And that's what she saw, and that's why she died. So we learn from this that the idea of punishment is completely different than what we thought it was. Punishment is coming from love. When God punishes, he's close. So too when a man or a woman punishes their child, there has to be love there. If there's no love, that's not called a punishment. That's just called your anger. You're mad at your kid. And this was the story with Pechas. Pechas was doing an act of punishment, but he was doing it with love. He had love for the Jewish people. He had love for everyone. He just had to set things right. He had to set the clock back to the right time. So it's a totally different concept of what we think punishment is. Punishment is coming from love. God just wants us to go in the right direction. So he punishes us in order to direct us. It's not coming from anger. not coming from destruction and hate. So too, we have to be like that. Mahu afata. Just like Hashem is, we also have to be. That's the basis of Jewish philosophy. We have to emulate God, which means if somebody does something against us, we can't react with hate, anger, revenge. We have to react with love, with seichel, with intellect, to do the right thing, to get the person to go back on the right track, to help them, to bring them back to tshuva. I know this is similar to last week's Parsha. It's very interesting. But I guess these couple of weeks, that's what's going on in the world. We know that the, what goes on in the world is based on the Parsha, based on the Torah portion of the week. And Pinchas saved the entire Jewish people by doing this act, which brought everybody back to the right path. This is a totally different understanding in Chinook and educating your children. There can't be any anger there. There can't be any hate. There can't be any ego. It has to be solely for the child, to help the child to go back to the right path. That's the goal. Anything else is a sin. Can you imagine how much love God has for us? All the suffering that we've done in our life was really just for us. An angry God. God doesn't need us. It's only for us. I want to bring the Rabbeinu Yoni here on Mishlei 326. It says like this. Real faith in God has no mixture of doubt of uncertainty. One who has genuine faith in God, even if he experiences much suffering and misfortune, still strengthens himself in serving God. And he has true faith that he will be fully compensated for his suffering. He understands that God chooses him for that which is his only good. Everything that's happening is for the person's good. Thus, if a person is chastised in this world, it is only so that he will benefit by being pure of sin and coming closer to God and increasing his reward in the world to come. In other words, in a certain sense, there is no punishment. God is doing everything for us that we should come close to him, that we should be more pure, that we should overcome our physical aspects and become spiritual. That's all it's about. There's no hate, there's no anger, there's no revenge. It's pure love. And therefore, we have to look at all of our misfortunes as love. And not only that, but when people come against us, we have to come back with love. Ah, sometimes you have to punish. Sometimes you're in a position of power, you're a leader, you have to do, you have to do the right thing, people have to see it. But it's still coming from love. Of course, there's right and there's wrong. But the right and the wrong is based on love. If you're showing your child, your wife, your kids, somebody else, co-worker, you're showing them the right way, 
It's coming from love. And this was the great attribute of Pinchas, Ben Aaron Cohen. Pinchas, the one who killed Zimre, came from the genealogy of Aaron Cohen, the one who loves and pursues peace. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. This is a story about Rav Shach. It says Rav Shach always encouraged people to commit to writing every comment or question that comes with the course of learning a Talmudic passage. He would always write everything down. Writing explained is more than a simple means to transform ideas from the mind to paper. It also increases one's creative ability and develops his thinking capacity. Committing matters to writing helps them to become clearer. Furthermore, if it's difficult writing things down, it shows that you're lacking understanding. So after learning or giving a shir, Rav Shach used to say, now I'm going to go consult with my pen. He said only after he wrote things down did he really feel solid that he had the ideas clear. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Another commandment of marriage by Rev. Victor Miller is the necessity to encourage each other. He says a man has to go to work and it's a big struggle. And you have a boss over you and people are bothering you. But you have to keep going because you have to make a living. At the end of the day, sometimes you come home mentally and emotionally wiped out. But you're afraid to tell your wife, chas v'shalom. You're afraid if you tell her what happened during the day, she's going to pour salt on the wounds. So instead, you keep quiet. He says, this is a pity. He said, at least if a person has a sympathetic wife, it could heal him. He says, many people become ill just because they can't talk out at the end of the day what they went through. Matter of fact, this is Perkyavos. This is Perkyavos says, do not talk too much to a woman. One of the commentaries says over there, because the more you speak to your wife, the more she's going to criticize you, the more you tell her. He said, this should not be the case. A wife should serve as his doctor and his psychiatrist and his healer for his husband to give him words of encouragement and to emphasize with him that the hard day he had. On the other hand, the husband also has to have empathy. Sometimes he comes into his house at the end of the day if his wife's going crazy. The children have been wild. The washing machine broke down. Her nerves are worn to a frazzle, he says. So what does he tell her? Ah, don't be so nervous. You're making a fuss over nothing. Why does he say that? He should say, oh, that's horrible. That's terrible. Oh, I see you're carrying on anyway. I can't believe what a difficult day you must have had. Look, the house still looks so clean. Is that going to cost the money to speak like that? He says if the wife cooks him supper, never fail to compliment her cooking. On Shabbos, before you divray Torah, you should say in public how great your wife's cooking is. And don't hold back. Encourage her. Encourage each other. If you do that, you'll have peace in your home. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. And have a great Shabbos. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 